Hey, this is Nils Hognestad, and I'm here with Elias at the Man Cave Chronicles, and I'm here talking about Psych 2, Lassie Come Home. Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to the party, pal! You're my boy, boo! Yo, Adrian! I with interviews of amazing guests from the world of pop culture. Oh, yeah. TV. Nice. Movies. Oh, I love the movies. Comedy and more. From deep inside the man cave, your host, Elias. Niels, welcome to the cave. Wicked, thanks for having me. How are you, man? What's new with you? Oh, I am superb. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled that the world is slowly starting to come together, it seems. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah. How's uh how's like the whole quarantine uh treating you? Man, it has been a really bizarre experience for everyone I know. Uh you know, overall it's kind of nice knowing that everybody for the first time in at least our history, we're all actually being brought together by one unanimous thing and there's been like something bittersweet in that, but that being said, it has sucked. It's been brutal, um, but it's. I think there's a lot of good that's going to be coming out of this. Have you been doing anything like uh, while you're at home? Any projects or anything? Definitely. I mean, uh, I, I write as well, and so I've been uh, doing a lot of that. So I actually happened to be in Fort McMurray when everything hit the fan, like. Uh, basically we gotten words, you know, you need to stay in Canada, don't move, don't go anywhere. And I was like, well, I guess I'm in Fort Mac. So I was with my partner at the time and, uh, luckily I was there with him. But that being said, it was, uh, brutal because then the floods hit. So yeah. it was crazy. So I was just like, we were living in a state of double emergency and, um, it was one of the most surreal things I'd ever gone through. I mean, last year I was dealing with a massive deportation issue. So I kind of already had my entire life flipped upside down. So when COVID happened, I noticed everybody else was having a bit of like a mental breakdown. And I was like, oh, I had this last year. Don't worry <laughs> about it. I got you. So I was actually able to be of service to other people. Uh, so that, that, that was somewhat a positive, I guess. Oh, wow. What happened with the whole deportation thing? Well, I'm still here in Canada, so that's a positive. <laughs> um, well, what ended up happening was we still to this day don't know what exactly happened because the Canadian government just doesn't release that kind of information. We, it's either a case of stolen identity or uh, just a clerical error on the Canadian government's part. But that being said, it still was a massive legal issue. I still had to hire a lawyer and went through some pretty intense times uh, where they were, you know, saying, you know, if this goes through, you will not be allowed to come back into Canada for a minimum of two years. And wow. I've been a permanent resident of Canada since I was one years old and I'm 35 now. So it was a bit jarring to, to hear that kind of news. That being said, uh, Norway, where I'm from, uh, just allowed dual citizenship as of January, 2020. So I have since applied for my citizenship and now I'm just waiting until I can be a dual. That's a good. It's a it's a good move right there, just in case it ever happens again. Right, exactly. <laughs> I was like, as soon as I heard that that was up, I was like, "Hey, where's my application?" <laughs> yeah. So, man, you, when I was doing some research on you, man, you've been busy for a few years now. You know, you've done uh, acting, TV shows like DC Legends of Tomorrow, uh, mm -hmm. Supernatural. I mean, the, the list is pretty long. And then, of course, yeah. in a few days, you got uh, Peacock Psych Two coming out, mm -hmm. which that's got to be exciting, man. But uh. 
let's talk oh, a little yeah. bit, let's talk a little bit more about you first uh you said you're originally from norway right i am yeah so but, so, you, but you moved to canada at one moved to canada at one but we did a lot of back and forthing um so it would be like i was one we moved to vancouver and then we moved back to norway then back to vancouver back to norway and then i moved to england for a bit and then i moved back to vancouver and then when i graduated high school i ended up uh moving to Toronto and then I went to university out there and got my Bachelor of Fine Arts from Ryerson University uh, specializing in classical performance and uh, I wanted to continue with my training after that so I did my fifth year of studies uh, out in England and went to London and attended the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art where um, I got my diploma of classical acting and and then just ended up kind of staying and living and working there, primarily doing voiceover work and on-camera work and started shifting away from doing theater and just acting voiceover and, uh, and on camera. And then I started to get a bite for writing. And that's really where I've been moving my career currently, although I'm still acting and it's very much my first love. Um, I have been really finding it rewarding creating my own content and Thanks to COVID, I guess I had a lot of time to sit and complete a couple projects that I've been working on for years now. So I'm really stoked to get those up on their feet and, uh, and to get the ball rolling on that. How old were you when you kind of had an idea this is what you wanted to get into? I have always wanted to be an actor. I mean, I started, well, when I was first communicating, I was talking in Norwegian. And uh, when I was a kid, I didn't know the word for actor. And so... I was telling people I wanted to be a talking face on TV. So this has kind of been like always in the back of my mind that I wanted to, well, I always wanted to be in front of the screen, but now it's changing. And I think that what I've always wanted to do is create stories and tell stories. And interestingly enough, I was going through a bunch of my ch children's stuff, my childhood stuff and found all of these stories that I'd written and, I, it was like an about me thing that I wrote once. And it was like, what's, what is one thing that I'm good at? And I was like, I'm a great writer. And I was like, that's so weird that I thought that now it's something that I'm actually pursuing. So. So like growing up when you, when you had an idea, was there like any specific like movies and TV shows that you enjoyed watching and pushed you even more to this? I've been avoiding answering this because it's so embarrassing ever since the movie came out, but I saw the musical Cats. Okay. And um, I uh, was living in England at the time and uh, every weekend my parents would go to the West End to see a show and every weekend we were left with a babysitter and I'd be like, please take me with you. I really want to <laughs> see the show. And my parents had heard all these horror stories of people spending a lot of money going to the theater and then by intermission the kids are so tired that they want to leave. So uh, my parents were like, no, no, not going to happen, not going to happen. And then finally they were like, okay, fine. Last weekend that we're living in London, we will go and see whatever show you want. And so we got a, a playbill and got to choose whatever show we wanted to see. And I literally was like, I don't care. And my sister, Cats, um, she chose Cats and she fell asleep during it. And I apparently sat on the edge of my seat the entire time. And my mom turned to my dad and was like, I think we got a problem. I think our son wants to be an actor. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, my, my next question was like, how did you, uh, when you told your family this is what you wanted to get into, what was like their reaction? Well, you know, they sat me, my sister and my brother down when we were in our final year of high school and they asked us all, okay, you're graduating, what do you want to do? 
what career do you want to do? Which direction are you going in your life? And I said, well, I'm going to be an actor. And they were like, oh, we were worried you'd say that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, in the end, like now they've kind of grown to uh, respect it. And they're like, I don't understand your industry whatsoever. If you say things are going well, we'll believe you. Um, my father's involved in shipping and my mother taught English as a second language. So this is very far removed from them. Mm. Yeah, that's, but uh, no, they're super cool with it. They love it. It's awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah. How did you pick up like your writing skills? It's something that has always been there, I guess. Like what, what happened first and foremost was like, uh, when I was in theater school, I guess is when it really started. We had a creative writing course and uh, the whole goal of it was to create a play that we would then mount at the end of four years. And so um, I, in this class, had been putting a lot of energy into the stuff that I was creating and um, really enjoyed it. And then it just kind of sat for a few years. And then when I revisited it, I was like, I don't know, something inside of me was, it kind of took over and it was like, oh, I have to do this. It's not like I want to do this. It's that I have to. And this, this, at this point now with the stories, it's literally just like the characters have taken over and they tell me what's up and uh, I just kind of follow suit. Um, and then through, and then over time, I've just been uh, meeting a lot of really wonderful writers that I respect and in just sharing my content with them, um, they've been very generous with their advice and um, I've learned so much. And I think that's kind of the direction that most people go in any profession. It's just your peers really are what push you to be better. So that's definitely the phase that I'm at currently. Although I've not gone through a writing program, I have had a lot of classes and uh, then also just kind of been taught firsthand from a lot of great people. Are you trying to stick with more like a, like a writing plays? Or are you trying to do like uh, shows, movies? What's your goal with this? Ever since I moved back to North America about a decade ago, I um, kind of just stopped doing theater. Uh, I mean, Vancouver, BC here, uh, they didn't have that big of a theater scene. And it was one of those things where I was like, well, I kind of have to choose one or the other. That being said, um, I'm now having a draw to go back to theater. I'd love to perform, but the, st the content that I write, um, I can only see it in filmic form. Uh, I, I, I can't, I, I don't write for theater. It's just not the vision that comes to my mind yeah. when I'm telling a story. Makes sense. So, yeah. so I mentioned earlier, you know, you did a few shows when you got into the, into the acting business. Like what, what's been some of your favorites? Ooh, uh, great question. I mean, interestingly enough, a lot of my favorites are the ones that are the lesser known projects that I've been a part of. Um, uh, there was a t television series for uh, for the CW that I did called Backpackers, and that was just an incredible project to be a part of because it was a show that was about a, a group of dudes that were traveling around Europe at backpacking, and so all of us as actors, we got to just you know go to like Prague and Italy and France and Montreal and a bunch of different places, and we shot there and so to be able to travel while also doing what you love that in and of itself is amazing um another project that i really loved was a, a danish film i was a lead in a danish film called min sister's bauna 
and that was really fun because the challenge was so great because I'm not Danish. I, I speak Norwegian. And so it's the closest thing uh, on paper. It actually looks uh, very much the same. But um, when you actually try to speak the dialect, it's totally different. So I ended up having to learn a whole new language in order to be able to perform in the language uh, while also shooting it in Quebec, where we had a, a primarily French-speaking crew. So I was on set trying to speak the minimal French that I speak while trying to turn my Norwegian into Danish and trying to communicate with everybody on set and just being like, it was a kid's movie and all the kids were like, I don't understand you. And I was like, this is so difficult for me right now. <laughs> how long did it take? How long did it take you to, to learn the language? Well, I mean, I would never say that I learned the whole language yeah. and that I'm, I'm mastered it or anything like that. But I mean, I had about I had about a month, a month and a half of prep time before we actually were shooting. So I was working really hard on all that. I was reaching out to anyone I knew who was Danish. And I was getting them to record my line so I could orally understand what it was that they were saying and try to figure out what the sounds were. And um, a lot of like watching Danish television and film and talking to my parents and talking to their friends that are Danish. And yeah, it, it was um, it was quite the feat. It, 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 I'd say a month and a half of, of solid prep time. So now, um, you know, like we mentioned earlier, you know, July 15th, you got Peacock streaming is starting up and you just recently had a part for Psych 2, Lassie Come Home. How did, yeah. It was filmed in Vancouver. How did you get involved with that project? Well, um, Psych, uh, the series, has actually been shooting in Vancouver ever since season one. So I think in total they had eight seasons and that was yeah. the film that they released. And um, yeah, so the it's been very much like a, a local television show that has been here. Uh, um, I've been auditioning for it ever since season two and come close so many times. When I heard that wasn't gonna be continuing, I was pretty heartbroken. I was like, damn, I was so sure I was gonna get on that. And then, uh, you know, when Psych 2 came out, the audition came in and I remember seeing the breakdown and I was like, if I don't get this, there's something seriously wrong because it was like, they were looking for a Norwegian guy with long hair. And I was like, I mean, I'm the only Norwegian here in Vancouver. So <laughs> they don't cast me. There's a big problem. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you, uh, was it a self tape or was it a live audition? No, it was a live audition. It was, uh, it was in room um, with the casting director, Candice Alzinga. And uh, yeah, she's been very generous and uh, very kind and I, she was wonderful to audition for and she's always great to work for mm. now when the show when the series was on this was it was like a cold hit like everybody loved it uh did yeah. you watch this at all i did i mean I, I i watch any show that is shot in vancouver because the likelihood of me auditioning for it is incredibly high so yeah. um i always do it then it became one of those shows that like if it was on i would totally watch it and i found myself really entertained and it's always really fun again to watch like local shows where you're like oh so and so great so happy they booked that good for <laughs> that you know yeah so uh, tell us about the character that you played in the movie i play uh, a guy named pear he is the uh the son of the owner of the norwegian ice bar um 
so yeah, it was really great. I actually got to work with uh, a man named uh, Christopher Heyerdahl, who is uh, another Norwegian in town. And that was a, a really, a really big blast. Um, and it was actually a blast from the past because he ended up actually being best friends with one of my old Shakespeare directors. So him before he unfortunately passed away. But yeah, that was uh, quite a cyclical moment uh, being a part of the project in general. Yeah. How fun was it playing the character? So much fun, so much fun. What I really love about uh, the series is that uh, James Roday, one of the lead actors on the show, yeah. uh, or in the film as well, um, he uh, is also one of the producers and writers on the show. So they were changing the lines all the time and you know, if they found something that was funnier, they would put that in. They were really open to improving, and the James kept coming to me and be like, "Okay, can you say this in Norwegian?" And I'd be like, "Sure, let's do that." Okay, and so uh, it, it was a lot of fun because it was a really collaborative effort. It felt like, um, and I know you probably—I mean, you interview a lot of uh, actors. I'm sure that you get a lot of people talking, saying stuff like, "Oh, we're just one big family," but it really did feel like a family because everybody had worked together before and yeah. every single time anyone walked on set that was new, they all got sung happy birthday and you just really felt every single person that I spoke to that was a part of the set felt exactly that way. So how long did it, uh, did you, st were you on set and you filmed? Um, that, oh, that ended up spanning about, it was like a solid month, uh, which usually we're pumping films through in a few weeks, but like, yeah, my, my filming was uh, divided up pretty uh, evenly throughout the production. So it was one of the first days of shooting and one of the last days of shooting. And uh, it was uh, a bit over a month, I'd say it was, yeah. Was there a, without spoiling the movie, was there like any scenes that stuck out the most that was like your favorite? <laughs> Yeah, I won't say when in the film it happened, uh, but um, there's there is a moment in the film where I had to be holding uh, for a very long time, and they give you real guns. Of course, they're empty, but um, they give you real guns. I'm not sure if you've held a gun before, but they are heavy. Yeah, yeah. And if you're extending both your arms up and having them parallel to the ground, like you're getting a workout. And if you're doing like 10 takes after another and doing a long single shot take, <laughs> it gets exhausting. I had uh, Steve Franks, the director, he had the, the shoot that he would be like, hey Nils, I just arms extended the entire time. And I was like, I know, I know, I know. Here we go, let's do this. <laughs> so, the, so I mentioned that the movie premieres July fifteenth. How mm -hmm. excited are, how are you? How excited are you to watch it that day? I am. You know what? I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait until the next the day after because that's actually my birthday. Uh, oh, July nice. Fifteenth is my birthday. And uh, speaking of cyclical moments uh, for this film, that to me feels like a wonderfully cyclical moment, considering the first day of shooting and the last day of shooting. So to watch the completed project on my actual birthday. I think it doesn't get more perfect than that. Plus you want to go online and see what the fans are saying about it too. That's true. That's true. Exactly. So immediately after I can be like, okay, 
How much do people love or hate me? <laughs> so, uh, what's uh, do you have any other projects after this that you filmed before the the whole pandemic thing started? Before the pandemic, um, I actually had something that came out last weekend, which was called A Hint of Love, which was on the W Network and is now available on Amazon. Um, yeah, that we shot literally up until the last day anything was open. Yeah. And uh, we like wrapped on the Friday. It was last evening. And, and then we were told that everything was locked down. So we completed it just in time to actually be able to get released during this time. So... That was actually pretty, pretty cool. Um, other than that, my focus has, like I said, been uh, been shifting over to writing. So mm. I am currently putting a lot of my focus into, um, into producing a television series that I've written and also a feature film. So we were planning on going to camera for the feature film this fall, but you know, COVID, everything's been pushed back. So we are aiming now for the spring of 2021. Right, right. Uh, really quick, uh, I, I saw that you a couple of years ago you had uh, open heart surgery, and now you volunteer for the at the Open Heart Association. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, totally. So um, I was born with Tetralogy of Fallot, which is a hole in the chamber of your heart. Um, I had the first surgery when I was three, the next when I was five, and then the third when I was thirteen. But um, I did have another valve replacement that happened. I guess like six years ago, seven years ago now, I guess. Um, and that was another valve replacement, uh, but that one wasn't done by open heart. That they actually did via transarterial catheterization where they run uh, a valve uh, laparoscopically up your femoral artery and then just put it into place within the pre-existing valve. Oh, wow. um, and that was the same surgery that, well, I had open heart surgery when I was 13 for that valve replacement. But then um, when I had the surgery many years later, it was a day surgery. And within a week, I was on set doing my own stunts. So the medical advances have changed hugely. And, you know, it's taken me a long time to realize why I have felt this need to volunteer. Um, and it's become quite apparent recently. And I do believe it's because uh, living in Canada, we're really fortunate to be able to have healthcare. And I never had to pay a penny. I was cared for. I was looked after. I was saved. I was healed numerous times. And all you're left with is being sent home. And they're like, okay, good luck. And that's it. And so I kind of left feeling like there was a lack of energetic exchange on my part. It's like, it's like I got something for free, but never gave anything, you know? Yeah. So I found myself um, needing to give back. And I realized that how I can give back is by volunteering and being there for people who are scared and going through it. I mean, I get a lot of elderly people and a lot of kids and it's wonderful to be able to talk to them and be like, I've been through this numerous times and you're going to be fine. You're in the best place in all of North America for cardiology. So that's awesome yeah so uh, lastly uh how can the listeners find you on uh social media um i mean i do have twitter but i really do not use it so i'll just promote my instagram which is just my first and last name uh nils hognestad all right nils this was fun thank you for coming on wicked thank you so much for having me this was great 
That's a wrap. That's a wrap, everybody. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast. I finally get my man cave. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the MCC Podcast and our website, themccpodcast.com. Until next time. Thank you.